Hi everyone, this is the Delivery Space podcast. Whether you're interested in software delivery, business change or transformation, we have some great content lined up for you. We launch into different areas of project delivery and bring you insights and experiences that you won't get from a book. Welcome, it's Sharon and Nisha. This is episode number 10 on the different types of PMO and the key competencies required. Good morning, morning, Sharon. Good morning, how are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? Really good and excited because we have got Lindsay with us today as our special guest. Morning, Lindsay. Morning. Hi, hi. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining us today. And just so our listeners know a little bit more about you, I'm just going to go through your bio by way of introduction. So, Lindsay has worked in and around project management and PMO for 20 years. And she's the director at PMO Learning, which is a training company focused on PMO. And she's also the co-founder of the House of PMO, which is a professional membership organization for PMO practitioners. Lindsay is the co-author of the PMO Competency Framework, uh, the editor of the Handbook of People in Project Management and PMI's Careers Columnist. She speaks regularly on project management and PMO careers topics and provides one-to-one coaching for those looking to advance their careers in PMO. Lindsay, you definitely cover uh, so much ground there in the field of PMO and project management. Yeah, no, it sounds really weird when somebody's reading out your whole um, bio where you're sat here. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I've been around a bit, haven't I? Um, Yeah. (laughs) I don't know where the time's gone, to be honest. Um, but yeah, no, thank you. And thank you for, for having me. I'm looking forward to uh, chatting about my favourite subject, um, PMOs. Brilliant. So we'll go straight into our first question then. Can you talk to us about the different types of PMOs and the scenarios where each one of those are needed? Because quite often we find that people don't have the understanding that there are different types of PMOs and the context in which we use them are different so it'll be great to get your uh, insights on that. Yeah it's it's an interesting one because um, as you said there people don't realise there's many different types and I think one of the reasons why they don't realise is that well you're only living in your own um, you know your own life and your own situation Um, so you're actually only probably really interested in the kind of PMO that you know you, you're working in, or the organisation that you're working in. So why would you want to know about the fact that others exist? Um, it's an interesting. I mean, the reason why I've, I've um, done so much over the years with PMO and never got bored is the fact that there are different types. And over the years, we've kind of just tried to distill why is it that you get you know so many different types and I mean, it's an obvious one really it's that an organization every organization is different um and in the way that they choose to deliver projects and programs and stuff is different to a certain degree but it also it you know when it comes to a pmo there has to be a, a very clear um, objective or a, a vision as to what that PMO is going to be doing specifically within that business. And that's where you get the, you know, the, the whole different types comes from because the context changes. And um, <clears throat> crucially, the culture 
of the organization is different um, and that will change and um, you know influence what kind of PMO um, <clears throat> that you have. What we've found over the years has been interesting. Like I said, we've been doing this for over 20 years. Back then, when it came to PMOs, it was always about what kind of PMOs that you um, will have in place from the bottom up. So it was very much defined by uh, things at a project level, first of all, which is why you used to have this term called a PSO rather than a PMO. It's a PM mm. PSO standard for Project Support Office which kind of tells you that it came from that we're looking for something that will help support delivery teams at that project level. And for many years, that's where a lot of organisations, um, when they first went down the route of having a, a PMO or a PSO, it was very much about we need something to help support our project managers and their teams. Over the years, I mean, you still get that. You absolutely still get that today in organisations that want something like a PMO and they will go at project level, which is fine. And absolutely, you know, if that's what they need, that's what they need. But over the years, what we've found is that is that the top down is starting to, you know, started to be, <clears throat> I would say, more, more popular. And why is it popular? But probably because the way that organisations have done projects has matured quite a lot over 20 years. And they've realised that actually doing a project is not good enough alone. We need to work out from a, and we're talking more like a portfolio level, it's that whole saying about doing the right projects and doing them, you know, that, that saying, which is which projects do we need to be doing, which is what's driven the portfolio. So this is a top down. So this is that whole thing about um, PMOs now in existence because actually organisations have got better at doing strategic development of what's our objectives for the business and therefore what you know what projects and programmes are we going to do and then it's driven that kind of PMO. So you've got this bottom up and the top down and they still exist today and, um, and obviously organisations have um, a few PMOs, they don't just have one. Um, and again, that drives the kind of PMOs that exist. So, um, you know, from a house of PMO point of view, we, um, we've tried to look at, okay, so generically, we know that there's going to be lots of different types of PMOs, but can we put, uh, you know, but at least to help people understand there are some basic types. And, the, and they are the, the, the portfolio office, which is what I've talked about in terms of the ones that are more at strategic level. Um, that are looking at portfolio management um, and that's about choosing the right projects um, and then we've got program offices which is obviously supporting a program project management office which is obviously around that project level and something else called a, a centre of excellence which is a place where uh, an organisation has um, great hosts it's it's what we call like the um, creating an ecosystem for an organisation so it's a centre of excellence is a place where where the methods uh, exist, where the processes are, are in place, that the templates might be created, that um, you know the PMO does its kind of like training and development type stuff, things that are, are help to put an environment in place for projects and programs to be successful. That's kind of the, what we call the centre of excellence. Um, you have got different types and different names. I mean, some that you might find or have heard of enterprise PMO, which in essence. Mm -hmm is a bit like a, a portfolio. In other words, it, it's a PMO that sits right at that top level and probably at, at board level, I, I, would, I would say. Um, and then everything in, in, you know, in between. So a, a, a true 
large organisation that's got a lot of change activity going on would have a number of different PMOs depending on where it's sitting within the um, organisation. But ultimately, it just comes down to the reason why you you know what you end up with is well, what's what's you know, what do you need? <laughs> yeah. So what what is it that the organisation really needs at any one time? Um, and so yeah, I mean it's it. it what is interesting as well but for me having worked in this field for a number of times and got to see many different organizations is this thing is that you might be working in one pmo uh, today but actually it might change in the next four or five years it it might change and the reason why is that the pmo is there to support successful delivery so if your organization chooses to say well actually we need to do something different we need to be changing this up or and i think that's what we've seen from the all um, agile and um, agile at scale agility type stuff, which is, you know, is making us re making organisations rethink actually how can we deliver smarter, mm. faster, better, whatever it is. Um, and again, that means that the PMO changes. So mm. it's it, you know it, it it is really a, a really interesting place to be. And I often say to people, you know, if you're um, if you're working in a certain type of PMO today. Um, you know, be thinking about, well, actually, it might not be the same thing in the next few years. So what does that mean for you? Yeah. So anyway, long answer to a very short question. However, <laughs> hopefully it gives you an idea about where we, or I, certainly see PMOs. And um, But there is a way around that whole, yes, there's lots of different types, but ultimately they have got this very similar um things within them regardless of what industry it is or what organization now that's um it's great to get that overview and context just so that all our listeners understand that there is different types of pmo and it, like you said ultimately it's about what's needed isn't it and the mm. context and what what that organization is trying to achieve you know will determine what type of pmo or pmos that they are ultimately um using yes. but i think from my perspective, I've definitely seen that shift that you touched on where you said, just because you're doing one thing today doesn't mean in 12 months time it's still going to look the same because no. things no. are changing rapidly, aren't they? Particularly now. <laughs> yeah, seeing and, a shift. Yeah. I think to be fair, um, some of the, um, I suppose, better PMOs um, recognise and recognise that. And also recognise that they shouldn't be sitting there waiting for the organisation to turn around to them and say, look, PMO, we want to do X. Yeah. Mm. You know, the PMO should be anticipating what's what might be coming down the line. That's a good, you know, true PMO that is more directional in what it's it's doing and really truly supporting that organization they shouldn't be just sitting there they should be thinking and just as we're doing in, in a, P, uh, a pmo service around scanning the horizon for yes. what's coming down the line in terms of projects and program we need to be doing that from a um from a change delivery point of view what is coming down the line because i think to be honest the last five or six years a lot of pmos have been caught out by this whole agile thing they have played catch up um, and still do today, to be honest. Um, but, um, you know, but it's a prime example. Of we should have been ahead of that curve. Mm. But we weren't. So we're playing quite up. I think um, PMO actually are ideally placed to start having 
those that that type of dialogue with an organization to understand are you building the right thing and are you set up well so when you talked about a center of excellence and making sure the right processes the right thinking is in place so that you can almost set the tone help set the tone and really support that delivery that that really resonated with me Lindsay because I think it's needed within organizations at the moment where you know yeah the level of PMO you can say there's there's a relationship between the maturity of an organization and the PMO offerings within the organization but I also think that PMO should be empowered to lead the the seniors within the organization down a route where you can be ahead of the curve by by speaking to different areas of the organization understanding how projects need to be run products need to be released to the market in order to react um, suitably and then what does that actually mean for what you're trying to deliver as an organization if the strategy level of thinking hasn't been done yet, right? Yes. Oh, you touched on it. You said there about maturity. I mean, that's one of yeah. the other um, areas where, um, you know, we, we have this thing. There's always um, something on the, uh, if you look to an average PMO, what's your challenges? It's always, you know, there's always something that you can count in one hand that will probably come up. And maturity is one of them, which is, um, you know, it's trying to get that balance right between um, is the PMO in tune with its organisation? Um, often you'll find that, um, you know, that they uh, it feels like the PMO might be a little bit more mature than the organisation in which it's sitting, in which case you've got a certain task ahead of you, a certain vision and a mission there. That's going to be, you know, a bit more important than some of this lovely stuff like, oh, scanning the horizon. We've got mm-hmm. basics here to be to be sorted out, and I think, um, and like you say, it's if you've got a um, a, a low maturity organisation where, yes, it'd be lovely that they, um, you know, do the whole strategy management stuff where we get the objectives and it all fills nicely into place that we can do portfolio management well. I mean, actually, if we if, if we have got a fundamental problem with the way that a projects are being managed and the projects are not being successful, you know, ideally what we should be thinking about is the organisation probably wants those sorting out first. And this this yes. is the 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 issue I think with PMOs sometimes it's. Um, it depends on how they're put together and also who they're staffed by because sometimes you will get people that are you know have come into a new organization from a different organization but have done great things with their pmo they land up in a new um, organization and want to do the same thing again because they just want it well you know i've made a success in fact one i'll just come here and do exactly the same thing and it doesn't work because of the context and because actually there's a different need and it's not the, you know, normally, normally it is to do with maturity level. Um, mm. And it can, sometimes it can be really, really obvious, sometimes a bit more subtle. And, um, yeah. you know, what does the low maturity really mean? We're not talking about necessarily just how projects are being run, but also the maturity of that organisation. So things like, you know, do, do sponsors actually know that they are sponsors and do their mm. job but say, uh, does the board do strategic management um, then? You know, so it's not just a, yeah, it's, it, it's, it, that's why it's so interesting. It's like um, you have to be a bit of a detective, I think. I mean, Sharon, you'll be able to, I mean, you're going to different organisations doing this kind of stuff. It's, it's that detective to, to work it out is. what's going on and not what's being said, yeah. what's not yeah. being said that makes mm-hmm. this kind of 
interesting. Absolutely. And I think you're right. It is detective work because I think for me, I like to go in and observe and ask questions because it's not necessarily what somebody might say. Oh, you know, we are a mature organisation and we want this. But then as you ask those questions, you realise, actually, that's not right for where you are. So it's having that kind of, yeah. This is the thing. If you think you're a mature organisation, what are you basing that on? You know, if you yeah. work for organisation for the last 10, 20 years, how do you know? How do you know it is? Because, you know, what are you comparing it to? Which is why, you know, people like yourself, Sharon, um, are doing a good job in just letting people know that, actually, I'm going to give you some informal benchmarking here and tell mm. you that you're not mm. mature as you think you are. <laughs> in a better way than that um yeah but yeah i, I just think you know with um with pmos it's it's there is not one size fits all and there's not one approach mm. either it's not a mm. case of you come in and you right okay we're going to put a p3o model in place and for people not familiar mm. with that it's a it's a um uh, i want to say framework it's it's a it stands for Portfolio Program and Project Support Officers, and it's one of the Axlos products. And it does, you know, give you a. This is how you could put in place a, a PMO and a, um, and not just one, but you know, you could put a portfolio, a program, project, all of those kind of things. So it gives you an overview of how you could do that. Um, you know, so <laughs> we know how much we like our uh, frameworks and methodology, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff, which can sometimes it, well it does go against us when it comes to this kind of thing and i think it's taken us yeah. a long time to realize that actually you like sharon said you've got to ask questions um mm. to find out what what's going on in that particular place and you can't just wedge in uh, some kind of framework um yeah. and hope for the best uh, and it, it it requires i think um it requires people that have seen many different types of pmos um, and have been in different situations to know actually what might work in this situation or not. Um, but again, there's never there's never a real clear cut answer, which is what makes it all a bit can be from an organisation's point of view. Which is where this whole thing comes from. Like, well, you know, do we do we really need a PMO? Um, what you know, how do we know that having a PMO is going to bring us the success? And again, I, I would point at you know the PMO community itself is that we need to get better at being able to demonstrate and show the um, because might i hate this phrase but the people say oh the pmo's got to add value mm. what what on earth does value mean it needs to be clearly defined because mm. when it is clearly defined it becomes measurable and that's the way that a lot of businesses see success it has to be measurable and I think that's how we need to get better at that. So on one hand, PMO feels like it's all always oh, lots of different things it could be and it could do a different bit. But actually, we also need to, you know, benefits management. We need to understand whether it's, you know, it is delivering some benefits, which comes down to hard and fast numbers. So, you know, that's what makes it a really interesting place to be um, yeah. because you've got the really hard and fast stuff and then you've got this people stuff yeah. that's really hard to, to measure. Um, but I think you're right and both are essential aren't they because like you said ultimately all of us have to show our value regardless of our role and yeah. I think there is more work to do within PMOs to understand the strategy 
understand what the business outcomes need to be. Like you said, benefits management, you know, have we got the right mix of things in the portfolio? And is it delivering against the business strategy? Because ultimately, if we're not all in sync with that, then we're probably doing some of the wrong things. Yes. We need to do benefit mm. management on the PMO itself. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because the way that um, I think um, in terms of, you know, the different types of PMOs, comes different skill sets required and the skill sets required are based on or what services are you providing in order to meet your mission or your objective whatever it might be and I think it's that link that again it seems really strange but it's only recently that we've actually PMOs have talked about services i.e we are a provide a service to a customer whether that be a project manager and a team or a program manager or a portfolio manager or, or, or even a board, we've, we've never really, um, really looked at, well, you know, you want us to do X. So we need to think about, well, what kind of things need to be put in place in order to be able to deliver on X? And those things are services. And if you think about IT service, it's exactly that kind of thing. Because if you've got a service that is, say, we want to get better resource management, we need to understand um, how many resources we're going to need on these projects over the next two years. We provide a service that will allow you to find that out. And those services should have SLAs and metrics and stuff, but you know that you've done it. But that thinking in terms of PMO has only emerged over the last, I don't know, like five, six years. It's not, it's not a long time at all, really. Um, and that so, is Lindsay, real, real development to me. Yeah. So, Lindsay, if like we we we're in a world where sometimes we can't predict so far into the future. So, what happens then in those scenarios where, you know, you you're trying your best to estimate what what's coming, but you just you you have an idea of where you want to take your product. You know that there are teams in place to deliver. But you just cannot predict so far in the future. What happens then to things like resource management and to other services that you want to be able to put in place to make sure that, yeah, you've you've provisioned, but you've provisioned just enough? Okay, so that question you've just asked um, was the kind of thing that we would have as a session where you get lots yeah. of PMO people around the table and we'll say, look, this is how we do it. Because again, it comes down to context of the organisation and, and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot i mean i would say where we are right now with things like that um around resource management is it it comes down to the problem we have about data because yeah. we do have data to get better at forecasting um but the problem we've got is that there's that data is um probably in excel spreadsheets but there's mm -hmm. nothing in terms of giving us some proper analysis that allows us to yeah it's it's, it's one of the bigger issues um that PMOs today is still working on spreadsheets, which is ridiculous. When we consider mm. that um, yeah. just around the corner, we've got themes around, you know, AI, machine learning, all of this mm. kind of good stuff that is really going to change the way that projects get done. Um, and we're just, you know, still messing about with, with Excel spreadsheets. Because it can it can be done. We've seen organisations doing it, you know, but how do we take the one or two people that are, you know, ahead of the curve and make that into a reality? Um, the resource management stuff obviously, obviously um, is one of the, you know, I said you can count on that one hand, but 
the, the themes of, that people struggle with, resource management is, mm. is, is always up there. Um, always. It's an ongoing issue, but I think what Lindsay touched on there about data mm. is absolutely right, because in all the organisations I've been to, <laughs> even though some might have systems and, and tools in place, you'd be shocked at the amount who are still trying to... Um, use excel spreadsheets to analyze quite complex information and without us having access to accurate data that's in a format that can be easily understood that allows us to interpret it dynamically so it's not like you know six months out of date and is displayed in a way that's easily digestible allows for visualization people struggle you know teams really struggle so I definitely mm. think data plays a huge role in PMOs being able to perform and um, look at trend analysis and, and let you know which direction you're going to go in, where we need to shift, pivot, do things mm. differently. So I think we could have a whole nother um, session, Nisha, just on data <laughs> and the role that thinking, data. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. I, I definitely understand the need there for more improved data. I also think that uh, with regards to PMO, knowing who to pull together to make those decisions to help formulate, you know, some sort of thought around the future steps or to inform resource management or to inform and what your teams are going to look like within the next six months, within the next year or so. Um, just to make sure that you're going the right strategic direction. That's one of the skill sets, definitely, I, I believe, is is required of the PMO. And I, I know Sharon talks about it, yeah. um, you know, in our sessions on a yeah. on a weekly basis, almost around yeah. those discussions that are happening on the contracts that Sharon's working on. Mm. So I, I definitely think PMO should be empowered to be able to do that, to have those discussions, to pull the senior leadership together to say, hey, in the absence of certain data, we have to be able to make certain decisions on on using the data that we have or to, or I guess, using knowledge of the marketplace that we have, right? Yeah, but I'll tell, I'll tell you one thing that was definitely a step change, and that was the pandemic. Um, and as yeah. much as we don't want to keep being reminded of it, but um, <laughs> actually it was a big step change. And, um, and for the PMOs um, that did well out of it were the ones that, um, and if you remember, it was everything's just like, right, okay, so we're now at a point where what are we going to do? Some projects have yeah. to stop because there's just no point. And um, some of them, you know, we were any new ones or whatever it is. In other words, it came to privatisation, which meant that the ones that I'd been looking at the top down, so, um, you know, from strategy and portfolio, what we're going to be delivering, the ones that had already got that kind of stuff in place, and not even to an advanced level. It was the fact mm. that they knew which projects and programs were in the top 10 of our prioritization, which ones are, you know, all of that kind of good stuff. It was the ones that had, um, were able to tell their business pretty much, these are the ones you need to carry on with. These are the ones that need to stop. These are the ones you just need to postpone for a while. That's all it took. And that was, you know, to be fair, a lot of them probably were on Excel spreadsheets, but at least they were able to, to give that priceless bit of information that really did start to, you know, to drive, um, okay, this is what we're going to do. So it's not panic stations. Actually, very calmly, this is what we're going to do. So the PMOs then could concentrate on um, 
helping those teams to adjust to different ways of working and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas the ones that had not been doing that kind of thing were panic stations for a while, which wasn't, you know, with everything else that was going on in the world, wasn't great. But um, mm-hmm. it, 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 sometimes it takes stuff like that, doesn't it, to realise that actually you have probably got more in place than you realise, um, um, but actually your PMO does know more than you think. <laughs> and um, But what is crucial now is how do you capitalise on that? And, you know, how do you carry on? And, and, and I think... You know, again, we've we've seen sessions with uh, with members saying that it's allowed them to really push on and do some of the the next generational stuff they were thinking about. You know, the things they wanted to spend some time doing some improvements on, because they're mm. they've shown their organisation they knew what they were doing. That actually, if you want an answer about anything to do with the change of delivery, so go to the PMO and we all know. And it had given them that sense of um, a trusted partner within that business rather than just being, oh, they're the people that tell you you've not got your status reporting on time, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) All that stuff that, you know, is still knocking about today. And actually the pandemic did have a great influence uh, in that respect. I mean, you know, not everything was great about it. Obviously there were other things that I think still have a knock-on effect today. And that's certainly the way that people are working now in a more hybrid way. Some still at home, still in the office, all of that stuff. But, yeah, I mean, that was the initial thing that came out of the pandemic, which was, yeah, okay, actually, the PMO's got it. And um, and for the ones that had not been doing that, it gave them a real wake-up call. And I think, well, actually, we need to make sure that if this ever happens again. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I think- so that's, that's really an example where you've used the data to make, like, empowered decisions. Uh, you know, pandemic was a, a unique situation, but it proves that when you can, when you need to do it, you can actually use use the data in order to be able to do it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, um, but but we wouldn't recommend being um, pandemic ready all the time because I think that to be fair, and we no. think back at that time, the, the energy levels and mental health, all of that kind of stuff. I think to be fair, one of the early days of it, what came out was that the PMO showed they had real resilience. And I think the mm. problem we've got now is that the resilience is wearing thin a bit. You know, there needs mm. to be some kind of back to, you know, what is the post-pandemic strategy of our business when it comes to doing change? Um, and that's what people are waiting for, is that kind of like real clear, this is how, you know, we're going to go going forward. I think it's funny, isn't it? It's, it's we were all you know, up for making sure that things were going to be all right. And then after after two years, it all starts to, you know. But again, you know, it's so, uh, all I can say that I just thought it were great for, for PMOs that they were finally able to show exactly this thing about we want to add value. Well, we've just shown you exactly what we're capable of doing. Yeah. Mm. In the biggest way possible, haven't we? Like you said, <laughs> through one of the biggest challenges that most PMOs would have faced, that was the time when we, all of us collectively stepped up to help companies reprioritize that portfolio. And we had to do it within record time, didn't we? <laughs> but we did it. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, um, we put a, a report um, that's out um, at the House of PMOs actually next week, and it's about PMO leadership. One of the interesting things that came out about it, I mean, people think probably think with a title like that, oh, it's only going to be for PMO managers and directors to read. Actually, what did come out of it is to show that a couple of things. One, that the PMO acts as a leader within its business, because that is a prime example where they stepped up 
and took some position um, that you know required to take some leadership type activities to be able to push that out you know we're gonna we're gonna stop these projects that's what you know the message is clear clear leadership type position um, and the second thing is that the people within the PMO each individual also but often at many you know, different times, shows um, examples of leadership skills in the work that they do. So, for example, um, you know, they can be leading in, in a meeting where you've got, um, you know, a delivery team or whatever else. Um, and often it's that individual that might be in that meeting, perhaps even only meeting minute in. But actually, a lot of the time, these people do step up and say, no, I think you might be wrong about that bit because of X, Y and Z. It's, it's, it's different people, different levels, didn't matter what a job title is, are showing leadership type capability um, in the job that they do. And I think that's important for people who are in PMOs to recognise that you're not just an administrator. You're not just, you know, it, there are different things that are required of you at different times, which show you have to use leadership type skills. Uh, anyway, the report goes into and shows you, you know, what do we mean by leadership skills and all that kind of good stuff. But um yeah, it's you know it's interesting to me that uh, we'd never recognise or realise that the PMO itself does take a leadership role, not just the ones that are working at a board level, but all of you know all of them um, at whatever level they might be in. They have to step up and guide the way sometimes, and that mm, takes real leadership skill to do so. I think it's uh, been very refreshing to see that as well, um, because we hold so much information. And it's great that, like you said, in, in these meetings, we can say, actually, based on this bit of data, I, th I think you should actually do this. So you might want to consider that because we do have those insights that we can share and, and inform important strategic decisions. So, yeah, for me, I, I love to see it and I hope it continues. Next time on the Delivery Space podcast. It's available because you know that that's the saying, you don't know what you don't know. So you think that you're working in an, an organisation today, working in a certain type of PMO. Actually, you've got no idea often what else is available. What else is there that I would actually really play your boat? Because there's so many different types of PMOs out there. Um, and I think, um, again, that's one of the beauties of something like House of PMO. You get to listen to other people working in different businesses. In terms of the development stuff, is that there's there's two ways of, of looking at it, as far as I'm concerned, is which is the technical abilities of the job, which is when I'm talking about things like, you know, the ability to do resource management, benefits management, do your planning, all of those kind of technical type of stuff. But also, um, like I said, we don't put enough emphasis on the people side, and I. Totally